You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1355 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Friday evening into Saturday here in late November. And today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online is where the game starts. And I also want to encourage you at the top of the podcast to make us your first listen each and every day. Check us out across podcast platforms that's Apple Podcasts and Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Odyssey, and of course, video over at YouTube. Today's show is going to break down what became a very, very bad loss for the Atlanta Hawks. There's no covering over that. I am someone who prides myself on my coverage. As you may already know, if you're listening to this podcast for a, a repeat appearance, but if you're a first-time listener, I try to give you the most balanced analysis of the Hawks possible. And that means not, not getting too high or too low, particularly in the regular season. But with all that said, this is a brutal loss for the Hawks. They were up by 16 points in the second half against one of the worst teams in the, in the NBA against the Houston Rockets. And from there, it kind of unraveled. They were slow by 10 at the end of the third quarter, and the fourth quarter was a slog. Generally speaking, the Hawks were blasted on the glass in this game, which definitely hurt them in a lot. They also fouled a great deal, making this game also a marathon to watch and consume. The offense was pretty darn good through three quarters, and there were lots of uh, high moments from Trey Young and DeJounte Murray from a individual perspective. The fourth quarter was a total slog. Ball movement went out of the window, and the Hawks just kind of stopped running anything on the offensive end of the floor. So, Plenty to get into from this one, let's just say. But yes, I understand the frustration. I always encourage people not to get, not to get too high or too low over the course of 82 games. It's just, it's just so many data points. But this is one where you have to say it was a very bad outcome for the Hawks, and they fall to 11-8 and eight as a result. So we'll get into all of what transpired here, but that's sort of the broad strokes of this one. The Rockets came in at 3-14 and 14 in this game um, in terms of their record coming in. So that all, that's kind of all you need to know about Houston. Bottom five in offense, bottom five in defense. They had lost five of the last six games. They were well-rested. They actually had four full days off and a weird scheduling quirk. But the Hawks were off on Thursday as well. They weren't like they had super tired legs. I'm sure Houston was a little bit fresher, but still, that's not a full-blown excuse in this game. The thing that I did kind of see coming a little bit was that the Hawks were going to be missing uh, a player in a big way when once he was added to the injury report as questionable on Friday, and that ended up being uh, decisively true in this one. So, Madonovich still out for Atlanta. But Click Capella was a late add to the injury report as questionable on Friday with dental pain. That's all we know right now, at least that I've been told. Um, McMillan said after that he was going to be with the training staff, and then he was eventually ruled out before the game. That left the Hawks shorthanded. Also, just as a reminder, only the third game missed due to injury or illness this year, other than Bogdanovich. Trey missed a game. Um, Hunter missed a game with illness, and now Capella misses this one as well. But um, I actually said this on my Patreon, my newly, my newly launched Patreon service, where I'm actually writing things on a regular basis again. Um, I was flagging how the biggest areas of concern, by the way, this is, again, pre-Capella absence. I was already saying this. Uh, the biggest absence, uh, sorry, the biggest concern in this game was, number one, defensive rebounding, and number two, free throw prevention, because Houston is really only good at two of the four factors, quote unquote, and that is offensive rebounding. They're top five in the league. And then getting to the free throw line, they're a top 10 in the league in that stat. And given that whenever Capella's out of the game, basically always the Hawks struggle on the glass. Uh, Akongwu, for all of his strengths, is a bad defensive rebounder at center. Um, that was definitely glaring. The number one concern was defensive rebounding. It ended up being even worse than I would have pictured in this game because the Hawks just could not get a rebound 
the entire night. Now, on the Houston side, they were actually down three of their top eight or nine guys at Eric Gordon, Jayshon Tate, and Alperin Sangoon. Um, so that's worth noting. Old pal Bruno Fernando came back in this game. He actually missed about a month of time after he played against the Hawks in the opener. But the Hawks were favored in this game, according to our friends at Battle Online, by seven points at tip-off. It was even higher than that before the Capella absence was announced. I think, generally speaking, Capella is underrated and it probably should have fallen a little bit more than it did. But um, yeah, the Hawks were still supposed to win this game. And as I mentioned before, the Hawks were winning this game by 16 points in the second half. It wasn't always that easy. It wasn't like the Hawks dominated the game the entire way, but they were up by quite a bit after halftime. And that kind of, uh, I don't know, hints at how to uh, evaluate this game overall, overall. So we'll get into it now. There was kind of a sluggish start for the Hawks in this game. In fact, they were down 12 to 5. At the, at the beginning of the game, um, really kind of skittish on offense. Houston scored on the first three trips defensively. Hawks had an early shot clock violation on offense. There were a couple of just total breakdowns defensively. Now, I will say the process stuff defensively got better over the course of the night. Early in the game, they were allowing a bunch of easy buckets. They had eight dunks in the first half, did Houston. And not all of that was defensive rebounding issues. There were some execution issues. I thought Kong was struggled communication-wise. Point of attack stuff was pretty rough in this game pretty much the entire way through. But the Hawks did do a better job turning the ball over in terms of forcing turnovers from Houston. And then as the offense got settled, things got better for Atlanta. But they were 4-13 from the floor in the first few minutes of this game, 0-4 from three. And the Hawks were actually down 10 in the first quarter. It was kind of shaky at the outset. Um, rotationally, no huge surprises with Capella out. Kavinsky kind of was the guy who filled in for him. They played Collins at center a few, to- few times in this game, but it was largely a Kongwu and then Kaminsky and then a, a, only a sprinkling of Collins at the five. Everything else was kind of normal. Aaron Holiday and Jay Griffin as the first couple of subs and Jalen Johnson later on. The first kind of bevy of offense was A.J. Griffin actually lighting the team up a little bit with three threes in about 75 seconds when he first came in the game. Obviously, a reminder of uh, the fact that he's a great shooter. Also, wearing his hair out, there were lots of jokes about Samson and things during the game. But AJ, but that was the one kind of nice flash from someone that was not Trey Young or Dejounte Murray on offense. And AJ, by the way, only had two points the rest of the game. So, um, spoiler alert: the rest of the team didn't have a lot of usage in this one. There was not a lot of ball movement going on. It was a lot of Trey and a lot of Dejounte along the way here. Um, unfortunately, though, that even that run by Griffin did not really cut into the lead. Houston was scoring kind of at will. Um, I will say Trey had some shot at the end of the first quarter and Murray got going as well in the second, but the Hawks were down at the end of the first quarter, despite scoring 33 points on 27 possessions. That's actually a great ratio, but they could not rebound the ball. Uh, and that was the case the entire game. They got 38 points on 20 possessions in the first quarter, 18 points in the paint. It was a parade to the rim by Houston. And that really never stopped along the way um, in the second quarter. It was the DeJounte Murray explosion, and as I'll probably mention again later on in the show, Murray had a career high in both three-pointers made and points in this game. So obviously it was a very productive night for DeJounte, who actually been struggling previously. He had 14 points in the first four minutes of the second quarter. Um, as Griffin did in the first quarter, he exploded for three threes in about 90 seconds, um, made his first five shots in the second quarter. And uh, he, I think I'm going to say this in the last podcast as well, but Murray in the previous seven games had been shooting 38% from the floor and 21% from three. So he really kind of slowed down a lot after a hot start and he got it all back, or at least most of it back in this game. It was an 18 to eight run by Atlanta early in the second quarter to take the lead after uh, that. And the Hawks led for the majority of the game after that push by Murray. He didn't stop there either. He had 19 points in the first eight minutes of the quarter. He had a nice one-handed finish in traffic. He had a corner three. It was all flowing very nicely, and there was still a lot of ball movement at that point in time. Defensively, it was better. As I said before, they were better like staying in front of guys, at least making Houston earn it, taking tougher shots, but the glass was still a problem 
throughout. Um, and really, <laughs> at one point late in the second quarter of this game, I checked clean the glass, which is a great service. And the Hawks at one point were dead last terms like percentile. They were in the first percentile at offensive rebound rate and first percentile and defensive rebound rate. So basically they were worst possible on the glass. And by the end of the game, the Hawks were in the first percentile in defensive rebounding. The Rockets were that potent without Capella on the floor. They went to Justin Holiday briefly, and he's the only guy who was not really in the rotation that played at the end of the first half. He played the final 90 seconds because of uh, Aaron Holiday and DeAndre Hunter both having three fouls, and that was kind of why they got they went down to 10 players at that point. But generally, it's a nine-man rotation in this game. They limit, they limit by as many as seven points in the first half, settled in up by three at 72-69 before halftime. It was high-paced, but I will start with the positive, and the offense was actually quite good in the first half. They had a 133 offensive rating. That is impressive. They had they shot the ball very well. They got to the line for 14 out of 14. They cooled off there in the second half. They certainly made a bunch in the first half. They shot 10, 21 from three. They had seven turnovers. Um, Murray had 23 points, which, which which tied a career high for him in any half. Trey had 24 in the first half, a uh, season high for him in a half as well. So 47 points for those two guys. But then defensively, it was what I would describe as like categorically awful in the first quarter. And then it was better in the second, but still pretty bad. A 128 defensive rating. They did force 11 turnovers, including three stocks each. Uh, stocks, by the way, are steals plus blocks from Akongwu and Collins. And Griffin had two steals as well. And if I told you at halftime, the Hawks were going to be holding the Rockets to league average shooting, which happened, and forcing 11 turnovers, you would have thought that's a great start. because, And so would I. But they allowed 20 free throw attempts and 12 offensive rebounds in the first half. And uh, once again, Click Capella was badly missed in this one. We'll come back to that later on in the podcast, I promise. And we'll have a full breakdown of what became a maddening second half of basketball. But first, a word from our sponsors on the show today. Today's show is brought to you by ExpressVPN. And ExpressVPN protects your privacy and security online. That's a huge part of the appeal. But also, if you didn't already know this, something you might not have known, honestly, it's that you can also use ExpressVPN to unlock movies and shows that are only available in other countries. Maybe you have nothing to watch Netflix. This will actually change your world. If so, ExpressVPN also allows you to binge shows like The Office on UK Netflix. It's so simple to do. Sign to, send into any service. Fire up the ExpressVPN app. Change the location to whatever country you're looking for. Refresh Netflix or any other streaming service, and that's all you have to do. ExpressVPN also lets you control where you want sites that actually think that you're located. Choose almost 100 different countries. Just imagine all of the libraries you can go through. It's not just Netflix either. The VPN service works with any streaming service that you're looking for. They have Hulu. They can work on BBC iPlayer, YouTube, you name it. There are hundreds of VPNs out there. The reason I use ExpressVPN is because it's actually ridiculously fast and efficient as well. There's no buffering or lag. You can stream HD with no problem. And ExpressVPN also works on your devices. It works on phones and media consoles, smart TVs, and much more. So you can watch what you want on the big screen or on the go. If you want to get access to hundreds of new shows and much more, go to expressvpn.com slash locked on right now. You can get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. That is expressvpn.com slash locked on. One more time, expressvpn.com slash locked on. All right, so the third quarter was generally positive for Atlanta. In fact, it was a 9-0 run out of the gate for the Hawks to start the second half to go up by 12 points. That was the biggest lead of the game at that point. Murray hit a three right away. Collins had a highlight block on Bruno Fernando where he met him, met him at the top of the jump. That was a fun play from John Rim protection. Defensively, it was a lot better. Houston didn't score for the first like four minutes of the third quarter. Uh, and it was an 18 to five overall run by Atlanta to go up by 16. They had 90 points in 29 minutes. Murray was hot from three. Trey had another three as well. They had 61 points combined with like a quarter and a half to go. Um, DeJounte had his career high three pointers. Like with like, again, a quarter and a half to go. 
But then there, then there was this like interesting dust up between DeJounte Murray, Jabari Smith, Trey Young, and Jalen Green about halfway through the third quarter. Um, pushing and shoving, um, starting with Murray and Smith and getting into Trey and Jalen as well. Um, and all four got technical fouls. Now, I am not one to assign too much importance to this kind of stuff, but it was undeniable in this game. This is not I, I'm not going to say it was the reason. I'm sure somebody else will say that. I never go that far because we, we just don't know. But from that point forward, Houston was the team that dominated the game, and Atlanta did not. I'm not sure if you could say it was because Houston was fired up or whatever. I'm not going to do that. But undeniably, like the game did change after that, whether it was because of that or not. Um, and the Rockets only had one field goal in the first like, six minutes of the third quarter, and they got going after that. Um, the Hawks were, by the way, doing the same thing with the rotation as they did in the first half. And I want to just say this once here. They actually played Collins at the five a little bit and ran two possessions in a row for him as a role man, and it worked out perfectly. It was a good reminder of like what Collins is able to do as a role man. It's like one of the top five, seven role men in the entire league. He's really good at that. He just never does it anymore because the Hawks just don't let him do it. So there's that. Um, because of the fact that they're playing with a non-shooting center, there's obviously a reason for it because you're playing with Capella, playing with the Kongwu. But when he was playing the five, the offense was kind of clicking at that point. Anyway, um, Steven Silas also went crazy mid-quarter. The coach of the Rockets got a technical foul. And from there, uh, it was pretty much all Rockets. Houston got it down to single digits without two, without two minutes in the go in the first quarter. Sorry, in the third quarter. Defensively, it got pretty ugly in the third. Um, and one of the things I want, I want to at least mention here, we'll get into like kind of the fourth quarter offensive shutdown that happened, and it was maddening. But there was a lineup that was deployed uh, late third, early fourth, that just has basically no chance of working in my mind. Uh, that is the combination of Trey Young and Aaron Holly in the backcourt, which is fine. I'll, you know, always Trey or DeJounte on the court for the Hawks. Then with Griffin and Kaminsky with either Jalen Johnson or DeAndre Herrick before. And basically that group has almost no chance of rebounding for sure. They are so small with Trey and Aaron plus AJ. And then, you know, Kaminsky is not a rebounder necessarily or rip protection. Um, you know, maybe, maybe Jalen Johnson's a pretty good rip protector at the four, but if you're playing Hunter with Kaminsky, good luck, especially when you're playing with Trey and Aaron. So, uh, that lineup did not work. Let's just say, so we'll carry that over to the fourth quarter, but Kaminsky in second half was minus 10 in his minutes. Aaron Holly was minus nine in his minutes. So that kind of carried over for like, as the bridge between rough stuff from the, from the starters in the fourth and they were pretty good in the third. They kind of started with that downturn on that bench group. And just the theory of the case, obviously part of the problem there is that you don't have Capella and you don't have Bogey. So your depth is already of concern. And I talked about this over the summer quite a bit. The overall depth of this roster is not great. Would I have tried Justin Holiday in this game? Probably. But I said that a lot, so I'm, I'm not trying to go crazy about that. But it is a reminder that like you get one injury to Capella. And he, he's obviously a very, very, very valuable player. And I've been stressing that for years now, but Capella's out and they really had to go to a place where it got pretty ugly with the rotation in the second half. Anyway, the Hawks didn't light up from three necessarily in the third quarter. They're still up by, up by 10. So after all that, the Hawks are up by 16 in the third, up by 14 with 14 minutes to go and up by 10 at the end of the third quarter. So generally you're fine. But then Houston comes out in the first minute of the fourth quarter, makes a pair of threes. It's 8-0 run overall. And the Hawks had two turnovers, a missed shot, and two missed free throws by Aaron Holiday in the first minute and a half. So the league goes from 10 down to two in a hurry as an 18-6 overall run. Uh, again, I, I mentioned this before, but Kaminsky minus 10, Holiday minus 9. Aaron was really bad in that stretch. Kaminsky was really bad in pretty much the entire game that he played in. Um, Nate did have a nice challenge on an offensive foul by John Van Murray that, was, uh, that he actually won and led to free throws. That was a good choice by him. But they go, they go back to Trey and started with eight minutes to go, and they're up four at that point. So it wasn't like the lead was gone. They're up by four. Obviously, they blew the lead on some level. Not comfortable there. But they missed more free throws. The Conway just missed, missed two in a row. And the Hawks truly did stall out on offense. 
Now, there's a delicate balance on how to talk about this because I'm not going to sit here and say like, you know, there's I saw people, you know, Twitter reactions after this one are understandably pretty crazy in some ways and uh, also pretty understandable because people are really frustrated. So it's hard to say that Trey and DeJounte were like a big part of the loss when they combined for 83 points. That's obviously difficult to talk about. But if you just watch the fourth quarter, they were bad in the fourth quarter, both of them, in terms of their process. Now, Nate McMillan famously is not the most innovative guy and doesn't really run a lot of stuff and does and kind of like relies on isolation. And to be fair, it was working more early. There was, But there was basically nothing going on off the ball in the fourth quarter. I thought Trey in particular, but also DeJounte settled a ton, dribbled, dribbled a ton, over dribbled a lot, just didn't really use screens. It was a lot of a lot of like clear out ISO ball. Trey had a particularly awful possession with about six minutes to go where he just dribbled the air out of the ball the entire trip. And it's sort of like a contested 27 footer uh, that just was a bad shot with like eight on the shot clock. It was just a bad possession. And that was emblematic of the whole fourth quarter. Um, they were very stagnant. They stopped attacking. They had one assist in the fourth quarter, one assist in the fourth quarter. That's a terrible, terrible indicator. And if you watch, again, I know not, not everybody watches these games again. I'm sure most people don't. I'm watching everything twice or more. And the fourth quarter offense was truly bad. Um, and now defensively, it was also bad. So there was all kinds of like two-way issues there. But after all of that, they had four turnovers and four missed free throws in about seven minutes, and the lead was gone. It went from 16 to zero by like the four-minute mark. The Hawks were still in decent, shot, decent shape, though, because with 4.30 to go, there was a timeout, and they're up by one point. And from there, it was basically trading empty possessions over and over again. Murray actually had made, made, made a tough fadeaway to go up by three. That was the Hawks' largest lead of the last four minutes with like three and a half to go. And actually, it wasn't exactly – that was probably the best process possession that they had for a while. At least Murray went at Garrison Matthews, who's a bad defender. So that, that at least I can understand the process there. But the Rockets took a timeout. That was their user to lose a timeout. And they scored – Murray went ISO after that, missed another jump shot. Kong got his, four, got his fifth foul, I should say, and uh, had to come out at one point. And then Houston scored, took the lead, and it came after offensive rebound. So that was the theme the entire night again, is that the Rockets got everything they wanted on the glass all night long. In fact, I believe they had three second-chance buckets in the last two minutes of the game. And that's with the Hawks. You know, One of them was with the Kong off the court when they went smaller. Um, for Griffin, which, you know, obviously it's even worse with the Kongu off the floor, but he's not a good rebounder either necessarily. So that's uh, understandable. Trey missed two free throws down the stretch. He went one of two on two different occasions. That definitely bit them. The Hawks were 12-19 from the free throw line in the second half at that point. A bad time for seven misses. I think it was two from Aaron, two for Kongu, and then I think two from Trey, maybe one for Colin, something like that. But it was uh, not actively terrible but for all for all i've said in the past like the hawks have been great at the line this year with the exception of capella and with capella out you would expect the hawks to make like every free throw and they didn't obviously in the second half which is you can't expect them to make every single one but they missed seven in a short period of time and that felt like they definitely bit them on some level as well as well and then it was a crazy bucket by garrison matthews with like a minute to go to go from up three to up five for houston that that's one of them that's like you know not your night kind of thing like i can't believe that went in i know bob rathman was Sam and Stamping on, on, on the broadcast. And by the way, happy birthday, Bob Rothman, legend, listener to the podcast and a former guest of the show who I talk to all the time. Um, anyway, happy birthday, Bob. But he was with me on that one. It was a weird shot by Garrison Matthews that went in. Uh, Trey then missed a three after a timeout to have them be in, di- in deep trouble. The Hawks were already in trouble there, down five. If he makes that three, like you're back in the game. But he misses it. They have to foul. They're down six. And they missed another three, and that's the game. So it went from, <laughs> again, the Hawks were up pretty much the entire second half and from the second quarter on, and then the fourth quarter was really, really bad on offense. Now, just the raw point total of 18 points is all you need to know. The Hawks scored in in order, quarter to quarter, 
33 points, 39 points, 32 points, and 18 points in the fourth quarter. Um, Houston is a bad defensive team. That makes it even worse because, you know, the Rockets uh, for the season are a bottom five unit, and they they earn that. They're not a good defensive team at all. Now, they play hard. They play fast. They're athletic. But And Steve Silas is a good coach, I think. But they just don't have the talent or the rim protection in particular. But in the fourth quarter, the Hawks had the following numbers. Four of 14 from the floor, one of seven from three. They missed six free throws in the fourth, and they had five turnovers in the fourth quarter. That combination is very, very bad. My friend Glenn Wills pointed this out on Twitter, that Trey and Ajante went just 5 of 16 in the final like 15 minutes of the game. They took 16 out of the team's 25 shots in the stretch run. And the Hawks, again, only had one assist in the fourth quarter, only three assists in the last quarter and a half of the game. And then Houston made their shots. To their credit, they were 51% from the floor, and they were 8 of 10 at the line. Two turnovers from the, from, the Rock, from the Rockets in the fourth quarter, and they had eight second-chance points in the fourth alone. So obviously a lot to get to from this one in terms of like what transpired and the back and forth. But uh, I'll just say this before I get into a break and then we'll sort of of break it all down after this. The Hawks lost this game in myriad ways. It was it was not just one thing. I think if I had to choose one thing and we'll get into this more often and in a moment, it was the defensive glass. If I had to, if I had to choose, followed by the free throw prevention, probably, uh, and then the fourth quarter offensive mess that was. But uh, let's just say there was shared blame along the way here, and I'll get into all of that in a moment. But first, a word from our sponsors on the show. Today's show is brought to you by Sweat Block. And dealing with sweat is never fun, no matter what the situation might be. No one wants to sweat at a bad time, whether giving a presentation at work, going on a date, or just dealing with the heat in Atlanta or elsewhere in the South over the summer in particular. And it's, in fact, sweat issues can really hurt your confidence as well. We all want to be confident in what we're doing. And with that, Sweat Block is the best way to fix those problems. Sweat Block wipes have been a bestseller on Amazon for the past 10 years with more than 10,000. Yes, 10,000 five-star reviews. Sweat Block does not keep you dry. You get your money back as well. And if you or someone you love is experiencing embarrassing sweat or odor, Sweat Block is the answer, and you can try it risk-free today. Go to sweatblock.com and save 20% if you use the promo code LOCKEDON. Sweat Block is, again, also available on Amazon. One more time, that is sweatblock.com, promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off with Sweat Block. All right, and we'll get into the defense first in the takeaway portion of the podcast. Uh, lots of complicated stuff to talk about here. Again, Capella out is a big factor here. It doesn't change everything, doesn't explain everything, but he is their best defensive player by a lot, and that is a, a huge factor. But again, a 124 defensive rating against the Rockets, that have they have a bottom five offense. That's bad under any circumstances. And Houston shot only league average. You know, if you, again, told me only the Rockets had a 124 offensive rating in the game, I would have assumed that Houston probably did well on offensive glass, but also shot the heck out of the ball. In this game, Houston had essentially league average shooting numbers. 47% from the floor, 34% from three. That is almost right at the league average in both spots. And they had 22 turnovers. That's a ton of turnovers. And the Hawks, I believe, scored 30-plus points off turnovers in this game. So those factors are all very solid for Atlanta. But as I said in the preview and said on Twitter and other places, the big worries were defensive rebounding and fouling. And that was the case. And again, it's just a way that I couldn't even not even with those things on my mind, I could not have seen quite this. So Houston essentially rebounded half of their missed shots. A fantastic rebounding team grabs about 30% of their misses. And Rockets were at like 49% of their misses in this game. They had 22 offensive rebounds that led to 37 second chance points. That is a whopping number to give you some context there. Coming into the night, Toronto, the Raptors, were leading the league in second chance points per game. And they averaged 18.4 second, cho- second chance points per game. So the Rockets doubled that. And the Raptors lead the league in that category. So that is, uh, it's only one night, but that's that's just an unimaginable number. 
Also, the Rockets took 20, sorry, 41 free throws. They took 20 plus, I think, in both halves. That's insanely high. Even when the Hawks had to foul late to kind of beat that up, they were already in well into the mid 30s. So that's way, way, way too many. Uh, Capella is a great guy, not not fouling around the rim. Okongu fouls a lot. That's only one thing. But the Hawks were overzealous against the team. And to their credit, Houston's very good on the glass and they're very good, very good at getting the line. But the Hawks made it easy for them in both areas. Um, and it wasn't just a Kong. We'll get into this later on. But you know, Kong was a bad defensive rebounder. That's definitely the case. Um, but the Hawks just didn't do anything on the glass. It wasn't. You know, it's easy to kind of point to this, and I do. I do it sometimes too. Like a Congo versus Capella is a huge gap there. That's not all of it. <laughs> there was a, a lot of a lot of things going on on the glass tonight. Then you get into the offense, and it was really good through three quarters by the numbers. And then the fourth, it totally collapsed. I'll say this also: they shot it better than the Rockets did in this game. They shot it better from three than the Rockets did in this game. They got to the line thirty-six times, and they had fourteen turnovers to twenty-two from the Rockets. It's hard to lose when you are better at shooting from everyone on the court and you have 14 turnovers to their 22 and you take 36 free throw attempts, that combination, like you should win 95% of the time, but the Hawks were so bad in certain way, in certain areas that they were not able to do so. So in offense, the only thing that really was like worth noting and flagging as, as being very bad in this game is 14 assists. That's a comically low number. And I think it's sometimes it's just like the way things stack up and the way you take shots and you may not like cluster them in the, in the mix. But if you watch this game, that's actually probably an appropriate number because it was so much ISO ball, especially in the second half. And look, I said it before, but 83 points from Trey and Ajante, like you can't complain about that. They had individual moments of brilliance, you know, Murray career high, Trey had 44 points. Like you can't go crazy there. But the fourth quarter was just a total stagnant, prevent offense and they started it way too early and if they got if they got enough stops it wouldn't have mattered but they just the combination of bad defense and not running anything on offense bit them but the Hawks having 14 assists in the game is really bad um and also they got nothing on the offensive glass whatsoever uh that's a small thing compared to everything else but uh they didn't grab a lot of second chance points in this one which would have helped to kind of overset sort of uh offset I will say the rest of the stuff uh and despite again dominating the turnover battle 22 to 14, the Rock, the Rockets still took more shots and more free throws than the Hawks, which is one of those like very raw, like broad things. But when you take more shots than your opponents from the field and from the free throw line, you are going to win more often than not because you're just getting more opportunities. And the Hawks didn't shoot it well enough to offset that. So long story short, the glass was the biggest problem in this one. They just got absolutely pounded on the glass without Capella. And that is part of the deal here. But um, the offense gave up a lot too. They weren't great. You know, even the numbers, the numbers look fine. They had a 116 offensive rating in the game. That's a perfectly good number. That's an elite number under like normal circumstances. But when you're playing against a bad Houston defense and that number was in the 130s going into the third quarter, you can kind of see how things went in the fourth quarter. So uh, we're going to individual play now, but uh, a lot to get to here as well. It might go a little bit longer than usual on the podcast. My apologies for that. If you're someone who's trying to listen to this in brisk fashion, but uh, the bench was not particularly good. I think of the guys on the bench who played decently, I would say it was AJ Griffin played pretty well and Jalen Johnson was okay. Um, I'll start with AJ, start with a positive. At least I'm going to try to get some positive stuff in here. AJ had the one barrage early. He made his first three shots, only took two shots after that, only took one three after that and missed it. So he was part of the thing. It's not really his fault, but he was part of the evidence of just like how two-man centric this offense was in the second half of this game. But I thought AJ did a solid job on offense. Obviously made the three threes, um, had two steals on, on defense. He still has some defensive issues as rookies are going to have, but 
as long as he's not guarding a perimeter like quick guy in space, he's been generally fine defensively. So that's good to see from him. Even if he is below, he is below average, to be fair, but that's expected for a 19 year old rookie. And the offense is uh, pretty good, obviously. Jalen Johnson had some nice moments. He was the only guy on the bench had a had a positive plus minus in this game. He's plus three in his minutes, four points, had two block shots, had a rebound and assist. He didn't rebound the ball very well in this game, which is probably the one uh, sort of negative for Jalen, um, but nobody did, essentially. So we'll just kind of flag that for what it was, but I thought he was okay in his minutes. Uh, I thought Aaron Holiday and Frank Kaminsky were quite bad. Aaron had two turnovers and missed two, missed two free throws, did have a bucket, at, uh, I think it was a layup at the rim, but and then uh, you know, four fouls in 16 minutes. That's not good. He was uh, minus five overall, minus nine in the second half. Uh, I thought he was really shaky. I'm wondering if they will go back to Justin at some point, but we'll see. Um, and then Kaminsky was just, uh, you know, I don't want to poke fun at Frank. I think he's been a competent NBA player in the past, but I think post-injury last year, he's got even less juice athletically. And he had he played eight minutes, zero rebounds, zero blocks, zero steals, zero assists. Did have a foul. It was minus nine overall. Like I, I, There's just nothing there defensively. And look, I think it's reasonable to have played Frank Kaminsky particularly in the first half of this game with Capella out. That's just the roster, how it is. I think Frank should not have played in the second half at all. I would have gone only to Collins as a backup center. And uh, I think that was probably borne out by what we saw on the floor. So if there was ever in a long-term injury to either Capella or Kongwu, the Hawks would have to kind of seriously consider doing something with their roster in terms of like making a move, because that's kind of how bad I think Kaminsky has been so far. And obviously there's a little bit of uh, flexibility with Collins who could play some more at the five. But, you know, I think long-term, they're going to have to hope that Capella and Kong were both healthy because there's not a whole lot going on behind them with Kaminsky. Um, from there to the starters. So it's kind of complicated in a lot of different ways. We'll start with Hunter. Hunter had um, a rough offensive night. He had eight points on 13 shooting possessions. He was 3 from the floor, 6 from three. Uh, did have five rebounds, including four defensively. But no assists is typical kind of of Hunter in some ways. No steals, no blocks. I thought he was okay on ball defensively. Didn't really give you much on the glass or in the playmaking categories. I think Hunter's been pretty good defensively this year, just for the record, but not his best performance, I don't think, overall. And I think uh, the offense was definitely shaky from Hunter in this one. Similar story with John Collins. Uh, Eight points, five rebounds. Did have two steals and two blocks. He was active defensively. Um, And, you know, he was actually, yeah, per minute was the rebounding. Oh, no, sorry. Him and and Kong had kind of the same per minute rebounding numbers. But uh, same story for Collins. He's 0-4 from three. Again, uh, I've talked about this ad nauseum. I'm not going to do the whole thing again here, but I still think that long term, you have to think he's going to be a competent three-point shooter, but he's just not making shots right now. And that's it's the NBA. You got to make shots and uh, no excuses for that. Like he's just, I think that long term, he's going to make more threes. And I think he'll make a hefty percentage of them, but right now he's not. And that's definitely hurting the offense. We did see uh, briefly him play center and actually run pick and roll. And he's really good at that. And I wish they'd run that more from him. Even when he's playing with a Kongwu or Capella, they can run more pick and roll with Collins and they just don't do it. So that's, that's part of the issue there. Uh, the two highlight blocks were pretty impressive and defensively he has been like genuinely good this year, but um, yeah. Oh, I, I did. I, want, I do want to say one more thing. He is actually shooting 90 plus percent from the free throw line. And generally speaking, it's not always, but good free throw shooting usually is a good indicator of three point shooting. So, you know, I don't One of the big theories about Collins downturn as a three point shooter is because of the finger. And that could be, that could be, it, it could be part of it, if nothing else. But if it was the finger, he probably wouldn't be shooting so well at the, at the free throw line. So probably in a small indicator there, but oh four from three, like I can't explain that away. He's going to make shots at some point. And then a Kongwu, a weird night for a Kongwu. So he was plus one in his minutes because uh, Kaminsky got blown up in his minutes, um, but four points, 
he did not take a shot from the field in this game, which is a bizarre, honestly. Um, Mr. Free throws was four of six. Had 11 rebounds, which is a good number, but five were offensive. So he played 33 minutes of center and had six rebounds defensively. That's not terrible, but it is definitely a product. It's not all on him again, but it is a product of him being a bad defensive rebounder that the, Haw- that the Hawks were unable to get rebounds in this game. Um, I think he did have two steals and two blocks. He is a playmaker defensively, but I think that this is one of those nights where like, I've always been hearing the last probably two years from a certain crowd of people that it's time to trade Capella. Uh, if there was ever an advertisement for not trading Clickabella, it was tonight. And I'm a, I'm an Okongwu guy. I, I like Okongwu a lot. I think he's going to be good long term. I think he'll be a starter long term for a team, whether it's the Hawks or somebody else. He's a good he's a good player. But uh, this is a reminder in capital letters of how good Capella is number one and how the Hawks are built because they're also built around Capella defensively and not the and not the way that Okongwu plays necessarily either. So. I don't think he was as bad as you might think by the numbers, but rebounding was uh, certainly on him a lot. And I will also say this, there was not a lot of help from him, help around him. There were better moments, but let's just say rebounding wise, Trey, zero rebounds in 38 minutes, zero help there. Murray's supposed to help on the glass, only three rebounds in this game. Uh, Kaminsky has a seven, four, zero rebounds. Jalen Johnson, one rebound in 13 minutes. So it's not just the Kongwu, but uh, yeah, all that said, it was bad across the board. And then Trey DeJounte. So I got into it a little bit earlier. I'm not going to do the whole thing again. Uh, I think that both guys were individually brilliant at times and also individually maddening at times. Trey had 44 points and did it pretty efficiently individually. Had five assists. That's pretty low for him. And four turnovers is totally fine for him. But defensively, man, he was bad. Um, and I don't mean to say that in a – it's one of the, it's just what it is with Trey. Sometimes he's going to be really bad. But between not guarding anyone and not rebounding at all, that was tough. But the shot making is what it was. Like He's definitely founded on offense, which is good to see broadly speaking, because Trey had been in a slump early in the season. That is now over. I think it's a kind of official. He's not in a slump anymore on offense, but I think the process was not was not very good in the fourth quarter. He was still awesome for three quarters offensively, so it's breathtaking when he has it going, and you cannot fake 44 points. He was obviously is a superstar, but uh, yeah, some, some nuance there is certainly required. And then Murray, uh, again, career high, 39 points, career high, eight threes. He was firing away from three early in this game. He only took uh, 11 twos, but six of 11. That's totally fine as well. Um, three assists, two steals, three rebounds for DeJounte. He was part of it on offense in the fourth quarter too. A little bit too much iso ball. I think Trey was the bigger the bigger offender in that, in that case, um, of like kind of just killing the offense with his lack of movement. But Murray was also doing that as well. He's definitely iso friendly. He's willing to go, in, go ahead and do that. And uh, there was some, I actually saw a quote just now as I was recording um, from Jabari Smith. I guess the, the Rockets took some stuff personally from that, uh, interaction between Murray and uh, and Young in the third quarter that kind of changed the game in some ways that I mentioned before. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm obviously recording this podcast in live fashion, but uh, there was some apparent chirping and things. Uh, so I don't think anybody took that kindly from Houston. Uh, we'll see how that all goes in the future. But obviously a lot of highs and lows for everybody involved, but uh, still career highs from three, career highs from, from, from scoring range for Jante Murray. And you know, through three quarters, it was pretty good. So uh, I don't know. How do I leave this podcast? Uh, it was a it was a mess. This is a bad loss. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. There is always context. Capella is a huge, huge factor. Um, I would I'd actually like to know what the folks in Vegas and Bet Online and everybody that makes odds um, would assign as a point value to Capella being out. And I would promise you that my number would be higher. <laughs> I think he is very, very important. What the Hawks do, um, but in a vacuum, the Hawks losing this game in Houston would not have absolutely stunned me. I tried to say that a little bit on Wednesday's podcast, like nothing's assured in the NBA. Um, but 
the way that this all went down and being up 16 in the second half makes it worse. If the Rockets had just shot the heck out of the ball, it'd be a lot easier to take and a lot easier to explain. Hawks fans wouldn't like it, obviously, because you're losing to a bad, bad, bad team. Because Houston is bad. I'm not, I'm not trying to pile on them, but that's a team that's not good in the NBA. So, you know, is this worse than the like blowout losses that they've had so far? The Charlotte loss in particular looks terrible right now because they're really bad. Um, the Toronto loss where they got pretty much embarrassed up there, like your mileage may vary on, wh- on which loss is quote unquote worse, but this is kind of a new chapter of loss and that it's a team that they're supposed to beat. It's a team that they were beating through three and a half, four quarters and uh, got, got away from them in a bad way. So we'll see how they respond to it. The Hawks have a day off on Saturday for travel and then they get back to it on Sunday. This will be a quick one game road trip over the Thanksgiving weekend. And it's actually a five o'clock early game against the Miami heat on Sunday. And yes, the Heat, who lost, sorry, who the Hawks lost to in the playoffs. They've been playing a little bit better recently, but they are actually below 500. They won tonight against the Wizards in narrow fashion, 110 to 107. So let's just say that Heat are not playing the same caliber of basketball that they did in the playoffs last year. I'm sure the Hawks will have plenty of motivation, number one, to erase this loss to Houston and also to get back at Miami after the playoff loss. And the Heat have been shorthanded as well. We obviously won't know their injury report until closer to game time on Sunday. But, uh, yeah, we'll have full coverage of that one. But a nice little bounce-back spot for the Hawks. If they win that one, life will feel much better, obviously. But if they don't win that one, now you're 11-9 and uh, in free fall again. And it's kind of a weird quirk. But the Hawks have not won back-to-back games for, like, three weeks now. This is an opportunity to go ahead and do that against Sacramento and Houston. But they lose this one. And uh, now they have to, now they have to, have to win two in a row from here. So, uh, anyway, I've said a lot of things on this podcast. There's probably even more I could get into. Uh, there's lots of stuff to dive into about like how they schematically went into it without Capella and uh, how they broke down an offense. And maybe we'll have some more of that in the future. But for now, a bad loss. Process some stuff on both sides. On both sides, the defensive glass was definitely culprit number one in this one. And we'll get into all of what transpires on Sunday after that game. Please subscribe to this podcast if you're a new listener. Welcome aboard. I can't imagine this being your first show, but maybe it is. And if, if so, thank you for listening to the podcast. Hopefully you'll stick around and subscribe across platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, YouTube on the video side. I know I've uh, said uh, people have kind of been asking me like about auto downloading or whatever. It's great if you auto download. That'd be awesome if you want to do that across platforms to kind of help the show. And the more clicks and downloads, the better. Um, but also please share this show with your friends. Leave five-star ratings and reviews on your podcast platform of choice as well. You can follow me on Twitter at BT Roland. Follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Hawks. And we'll see you after the game on Sunday.